Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Are we? Oh yeah, we are. Now Tracy, here's the thing. I like a picture. Right, I was... Browsing through the news yesterday morning and an amazing photo came up on the BBC website of a woman who was a cockle picker. A cockle picker? Yes. So um, in the 19th century, women in South Wales used to pick cockles. And so this, this lady has got like a tea towel on her head. She's got a donkey. She's got a big basket, a sort of sieve thing and a sort of rake thing. And... I just thought the picture was amazing. It just drew me in. Anyway, it's part of... It's photo from the National Library of Wales, but it's part of a film that is being um, that is being played. It's got lots of archive footage in it, and it's called She Sells Shellfish. Not seashells. No, shellfish. Um, and and, and it's, it's all about... Um, and, and there are loads of pictures of these ladies who would go and pick the cockles. Most of the time now, cockle picking is done by a man with a tractor. Um, but this was something that women would do. So they would, not only would they go onto the gower, for example, in Swansea, um, and pack the cockles into sacks, load them onto their donkeys. They'd wash and boil them at home. And then, before we had trains in 1867, the women used to walk 16 miles round trip to Swansea Market on foot to sell wow. the cockles. So it sounds like backbreaking work. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they look. They're probably only about eighteen, but they look quite old. So they had to walk that distance carrying their cockles as well. Yeah. Or the donkey? Did the donkey well, carry them? The, well, I think the donkey would take the weight of the. But they still got to walk sixteen yeah. miles, having been trudging around, scratching in the sand for the cockles, wow. and then boiling them and cleaning them. So, how old is that picture you saw? So these pictures are from the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, and, and there be, I mean, there's pictures of horses and carts on the sand. Um, and this would be a way of subsidizing income. So they'd st- you know, the men would be earning. Um, but the women would do this to subsidize, um, the family income. But the pictures are just fantastic. And I think the film will be really interesting. Um, it's talking about the history of the cockle sellers, how um, uh, there's one woman who's talking about her grandmother, I think, who whose husband died in his 20s, so she was left to raise children on her own, and that was how she made a living. Um, it's back-breaking, it's wet, it's really hard work. Um, and they, it, yeah, it was hard work, and they were doing it to put bread on the table. So that got me thinking then about... Well, so this doesn't happen now. People get cockles, but it's usually done with a tractor, you know, with and trains. And from and what I understand is there isn't much of a market for cockles in the UK, don't they? Get they get, they get yeah. exported, yeah. So Morecambe Bay famously is a big place for cockle farming. And there was a, a, a horrible story when some Chinese migrant workers died because the tides came in yeah yeah so i started thinking about um well what other jobs don't exist anymore 
Okay. We talk, you know, we've talked on the, the business community about jobs, the fact that there are jobs that don't yet exist that our children and our children's children might be doing. Yeah. I know. I'm Go on. Night soil collector. Oh, okay. Is that the shit collector? Yeah. Did you go around at night collecting all the... I, yeah, I don't know whether they went at night, but they collected the... Yeah, anyway. Okay, all right. Any others? There's muck in brass. There's there's brass in muck. Yeah, something like that. Where right. there's muck, there's brass. That's Where the there's phrase. muck, there's brass. Yeah. Okay, so I managed to find, courtesy of Indeed, the well-known job recruitment um, website... 41 jobs that don't exist anymore. I won't do all 41. Okay, go on. But they come in... So number one comes in with leech collector. Okay. What do you think a leech collector does? Collects leeches. Yes. For medical use? Yes. Yeah, so they go out, capture them, give them to the doctors, and they would use them to uh, clean wounds. Yeah. And and they still can be quite useful, can't they, leeches? I think they are still used, but... Yeah, the job for um, leech collectors. What do you do there. for a living? Go and collect leeches. Here's one. Um, we've had a knocker upper. We know about that. Yeah. Um, a Gandhi dancer. Gandhi dancer. Don't know. G a n d y dancer. A Gandhi dancer was a railroad worker who would carry out any task related to the railroad track, including setting ties, hammering spikes, and replacing rail. A Gandhi dancer was an integral part of railroad maintenance in the 1820s. Well, there you go. Is this one on your list? A saga maker's bottom knocker. You're just making these up now. No, it's not. <laughs> what is a saga maker's bottom knocker? Yeah. So the a saga is um, a vessel to hold pottery to go into a kiln, okay. I believe. Yeah. So it's related to the pottery, pottery industry and presumably... You had somebody that made the sagas. Yeah. Those holders for the pottery. The saga maker. The saga maker. And I assume that they had an assistant who knocked the bottom out of the moulds. Okay. Of the sagas they were making. So a saga maker's bottom knocker. Wow. Okay. So that is quite prescriptive, isn't it? That yes. It does what it says on the tin, yeah. even though we can't actually well, I'm guessing. You can imagine all sorts of other yeah. things that a saga maker's bottom knocker might do. Yeah. But uh, my understanding is as I've just explained. Excellent. Okay. Um, a human computer. Okay. Uh, NASA and other organisations used to employ human computers. They were responsible for making calculations to determine oh. the number of rockets needed to make a plane airborne. They did these calculations so, like on graph hidden paper, figures. and they take up. Yeah, they could take up to a week to do the calculation. So that film, Hidden Figures, where they had the mathematicians, <laughs> the, the women. So yeah, so that would be the same. Was that them? Yeah, yeah, that would be the same thing. Um, I don't know how you say this. Um, a bematist, or a yeah, B E M A T I S T. I don't know. In ancient Greece. Okay, we're going back a bit. Bematists learned to measure their steps to calculate distances. So they would publish their calculations in books, which listed distances between well-known points, as well as reports of customs and natural findings. So they know how long their stride is, they measure their stride, and then they measure the distance between A and B. I've done that in the workplace when I've wanted to know how big a space is for a desk. Can I just... 
stride it out. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or use my feet as a. As well, a did they used to do that to measure acres and hectares and things like that? I think so. So it's probably hands of horses. Exactly. Exactly. Um, an ice cutter. People who used to go and cut ice so that it could be used to keep things um, cool. Um, a scissor grinder. Somebody used to sharpen scissors. When I was a kid, there was a, a knife and scissor sharpener. There was a guy and it said on his gate, knives and scissors sharpened. Okay. People chuck them away now. Uh, a billy boy. A billy boy. No, don't know. Okay. A billy boy was a young man tasked with making tea for men working at railway yards, blacksmiths and building sites. During break times, a billy boy, who was considered an apprentice, would light a fire and boil water in lightweight cooking pots called billy cans. Okay. Um, I'll give you another one. A toad doctor. A toad doctor. I'm guessing they didn't look after toads. Did they use toads as a remedy? Yes, medicinal in the 1600s. Okay. Yeah, they dried and powdered toads to soothe inflammation (laughs) and relieve headaches and skin conditions. A a physiognomist. Oh, no, I was thinking phrenologist. So a phrenologist, don't they feel the bumps on your head? It's a physiognomist feels the shape of your face or something. It's believed that your features could determine certain characteristics. Oh, right, so they read yes. them, they don't feel them. Yes, yeah. Okay. And, uh... Did you used to call your face Fizzog when you were a kid? Fizzog, yeah. Physio Fizzog, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Must fizzog. be... Must be connected. Um, I've just got two more for you. Elector. Lector. Lector. Not as Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> no, Lecter, no, 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 I don't know. In the early 1900s, fact, 1900s, factories employed a lector to read books or newspapers aloud to keep employees entertained. Oh, good. It's a bit like having the radio on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a log driver. Mm. Something to do with putting up fences. No, it's to do with moving logs around. Oh, okay. In Canada, they still do this. They float logs down the river to transport them from A to B. Yes. Uh, and then there's one thing on this list that I challenge, because number 39, it says milkman. They still exist. I have my milk delivered. There's a bit of a milkman or milk person revival, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, supporting... Um, yeah, supporting your local mm. doorstep delivery. I challenge that too. Yes. So there you go. There are others, but those were some of the ones that... Uh, but it, it, it went from that picture of these women. What are they doing? Oh, yeah, well, there'll be loads of things that... Like that, yeah. Yeah. So we've looked ahead. we looked back. <sighs> women have many talents. Yes, yeah. There's no stopping us. Yeah, I did that all on my own. Now, here's the thing. A couple of weeks ago, I thought of a topic. I forgot it. Okay. When I remembered it, the irony of it was not lost on me. Okay. Because the topic I'd forgotten was about memories. Oh, my goodness. Right. <laughs> so you've got early onset... No, no, no. We're not about losing memories. Okay. This one. okay. So... I think I was listening to some radio programme while I was driving. There was a mention of memories. 
and it wasn't in the same context, but that triggered for me a memory. And I know this memory pops up quite often, but it seems really insignificant. It's one of those memories where you go, why do I remember this so clearly? Why is this a thing in my memory? And and I, I sort of did some searching on the popular search engine and well, I was at a loss to find out there, there was a lot of discussion about uh, why you would remember traumatic things or why you would forget traumatic things yeah. or significant points in your life. If I tell you about this memory, you might think the same as me. It's like, why the bloody hell do I still remember this? I remember in a conversation at school, a school friend was talking about this jumper that her mum had taken back to Benetton because it had got some funny shape in its shoulders. And she'd said very affrontedly that the shop's assistant in Benetton said that I think they're peg marks from pegging it out. And I remember her saying, we don't peg our washing out. Oh, how do they dry their washing? They tumble dry. Everything, including jumper. But and now I know that like, that's probably not a good idea. But that memory sticks in my mind, and I think, well, it wasn't traumatic. It wasn't particularly significant, but maybe what it did is it challenged my viewpoint or, or my place in society. Because had you got a tumble dryer? No, didn't have a tumble dryer. Right. We peg things out. Yes. I also we couldn't afford a Benetton jumper. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all Do of you these remember things... the Benetton when they used to just fold everything up so beautifully and you'd walk in afraid to touch anything? Yeah. And then I'd... if you did, they'd come and fold it up immediately. Fold it up as soon as you've touched it. So I, I just did a little search for memory stuff and then I okay. found a few little things. But I think one of the things that might um, have explained this is that sometimes your memory is sort of like about triggering synapses and, and it's apparently it's not a fixed thing you when you're recalling you, you're recreate, recreating those memories so it's a it's a sort of a ever-changing dynamic okay with these synapses and what I did also understand is they don't fully understand how it works so it's not just me yeah, yeah. even but, the people who understand yes, how it works don't and, and really understand with all their PhDs yes, and all this yeah. that they have theories but one of the things he said is that sometimes you can have an experience that triggers a synapse, which is closely related to another yes. thing. And so you, you sort of create this memory that ordinarily you perhaps wouldn't have stored away because you do forget an awful lot of things as well. You have to because you can't take on board every single sensation that you feel in the day. Yeah. They do yeah. say that you don't actually experience everything because that would just be overload. Your your mind works out a bit like the is. whole driving thing when you need to you need to have your eye on the road for the moment that you have your eye on the road, but you can get home without remembering. Yeah, as long as you don't anything. actually yeah. need it. Yeah. So so that's one thing. I thought. Well, maybe that triggered something else. It was maybe related to the fact that I. I went to a private school and I felt a little bit out of place sometimes anyway you know I didn't come from a rich family and you know that just confirmed it so and and it was just intriguing to me because it's I wouldn't say it was traumatic I wouldn't even say it's a very interesting story but there's a reason why you remember it in my mind yeah so um I was also then looking at uh, other 
reasons why we would remember things or certain things. And, and what I did read is that the brain prioritises high reward memories or memories that are going to be useful for future decisions. Oh. So it's estimated <laughs> that we only retain detailed memories for a small proportion of the events of every day. Um, people with very detailed memories can become overwhelmed with information. So the brain has to filter out what it decides to remember. And it makes sense to remember things that might be most important for obtaining reward in the future. So that, so that could be knowledge because acquired knowledge has a monetary value somewhere down the line yeah. in terms of your or development. knowledge that if you touch that, it's going to hurt. Yes, okay. Or remembering things about people that you like so that you can't, like their birthday, for argument's sake. Yeah. Okay. So there was a number of different articles. So that one about uh, brain prioritising high reward memories, that was from psychology.ucdavis.edu so that was some blog on some uh, educational website Harvard oh we like a bit of Harvard mm, don't we mm. and here on this um, one it, it was an article interviewing a couple of authors of a book called Why We Forget and How to Remember Better mm. so so um, I thought maybe I should read this in as though I'm forgetting things that mm-hmm. I'm intending to remember. So this this book is written by Andrew Budson, who's a neurologist and a neuroscientist called Elizabeth Kensinger. They have, um, said that one of the most common errors is to imply that memory sits in the brain somewhere, like in a filing cabinet. Okay. So what they said is that memory is at and effortful. Okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it takes effort. So every time we have to remember something, we have to use effort to rebuild the memory. So okay. we're going back and we're, we're recreating those those connections, those neural pathways. Wow. And then another misconception is there is such a thing as a photographic memory. And they say that it feels... It might be that it feels to us that we remember random things that we weren't trying to remember, mm-hmm. but there are reasons why we remember them, like listening to a song we were listening to or we were thinking how strange something was and those feelings or thoughts allowed that to get into the memory. So it's a bit like I said, there's a connection that's remembered it. Um, the third thing is that people think that forgetting is bad and the optimal memory is one where you don't forget, but they say forgetting is pretty important yeah you can't, <laughs> can't let go of something yeah i can't remember everything that i've done in the last 56 years but this is what they recommend for improving your memory so they've got a mnemonic okay go on four can i remember what four stands for <laughs> f f stands for focus attention okay second the o you must organize the information You must understand the information and you need to relate it to something else that your brain already knows. I don't know if you're going to remember that when you're trying to remember things. One of the things I'm really bad at is remembering people's names. Okay. So if I use that, so focus. Pay attention when somebody tells you their name. Hello, I'm Tracy. 
Hello, my, my name's Heather. Okay, I've focused, I've stared at you. Okay, yeah, okay. Heather. Organise, Heather, Heather. How am I going to organise? going to file that away as a name of somebody with red hair. Okay. And then I'm going to understand it. I understand your name is Heather, if that's yes. okay. And do I have to understand how useful that would be, I wonder? Or where you you know, where the connection is, I'm not sure. And then related to something else. Now, you told me about this, didn't you, where you, you remembered people's names by remembering somebody else with that same Visualising somebody else at the point at which that person says their name to me. So that you're definitely relating there. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to connect it somewhere. But, but it doesn't always work. But if I really want to make an effort to remember, sometimes I don't really care. <laughs> and, and maybe that's one of the things that you just forget. But I might then remember something about them. I might not remember their name. I might remember that they've got a dog or that they've just been to Italy or something. Um, but we were having a conversation. We were out on the weekend before we were drunk. Um, and we were having a conversation about whether we see things in our head. Yeah. Or whether we experience them. So if somebody says to me a red door, I'm seeing a red door. But you aren't seeing a red door, are you? No. And I thought everybody else did the same as me. Mm. I don't see it. I just imagine it. Yeah. And maybe a series of different red doors I might know might briefly pass through my mind. But yeah, even if I try and focus on a red door, I know other thoughts will Will pop in. in. Yeah. So it's more of the sense of a red door that I have. Yeah. And then we had a conversation about how a smell or a taste can take you back somewhere. So you'd got some perfume with you. Yes. And you put some of that perfume on my hand and the smell... Wasn't like dog shit, was it? It wasn't like dog shit, no. But, but we had that whole... I said, it reminds me of something. It reminds me of something. Yeah. It puts me somewhere. It takes me somewhere. And it was a florist shop. You know, so we, 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 I was like, yeah. what, and I kept smelling. What is it? What is this reminding me of? But if, if somebody said to me, "What does a florist shop smell like?" I can recall that straight away. I I can smell it, but how would I describe it? I don't know. So that smell of that perfume, it then for me being able to equate it to a florist shop, I was like, right, okay, now I know what that. Now I know what it is. Yeah. It's the chick. It's it's the it's the classic. You know, don't think of a blue elephant, and suddenly you're thinking of a blue elephant. You know, so what was that smell? I don't see the blue elephant. Just no, remember no, that. But you th- yeah. yes, but you think you think. <laughs> there we go. It's about a song by Leonard Skinner, <coughs> according to um, according to my watch. Lovely. So your your phone now, your watch now wants to get involved in this podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. We'd have to shut him up. So if I think. If you said to me, what does this florist smell like? I can feel that in my nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to describe it because it's not words. It's a it's a sense. Yeah, but it smells like that perfume that you've got <laughs> in your bag. <laughs> Which would be a way of linking it up. Can I share with you a memory that... So when my dad died, I one day, I just remembered this thing that I had not remembered since that day when 
I'd gone to work with him. He worked on a farm and I'd gone to work with him on a Sunday probably. And he had been doing some welding in the barn. I'd just been outside messing around doing whatever. And he came out and he'd got this piece of metal and he'd welded my initials onto it. Right? HJG worked with my initials at the time. Which was quite an unusual thing for my dad to do because he didn't really do that sort of stuff. But I had completely forgotten about it. And then one day, this thing, it just came into my mind and I was like, where has that thought been all that time? I would have been about eight. So 40 years. And it's just been hidden. And it had never surfaced. But did you say your dad never did that sort of thing? Yeah, so obviously I filed it because it was significant. Yeah. But I'd never thought about it. Until he died. Until after he died and then it just came... It wasn't even like I saw something being welded and thought, oh gosh, so remember that time when Dad welded? It, there was no, it just came into my head. Oh. Like a little pop. So I'm then thinking, well, where has it been? But what you're just saying is, it hasn't actually been, it hasn't actually been in there. It's, it's a combination of things that recreate it. That, and that's what is really weird. It's very strange, isn't it? Oh. Just finish on the on this book. Apparently, one one tip is if you want to have better storage and longer term access to your memories, you need to get enough sleep. Sleep helps the information to move from being briefly accessible to being stored in long term ways. I remember reading an article in a. We had some family friends who were doctors, and so I was reading my way through their bookcase, lots of their novels and things like that. But I do remember there being an article in a book, and it was talking about babies, and that babies actually dream more than we do, because it's how they... I mean, this is just one school of thought, but it was a long time ago that I read it. But they're processing everything that was new to them during that day, and we... um, and when you're a baby, everything is new, isn't it? Yeah. Every single thing is new. No, there's no repetition. So you're you're just absorbing stuff like a sponge. But it still doesn't tell me where it goes. And, and where, where was it all this time? Mm. So after all of this searching and not finding quite what I was looking for, but almost there, I then saw this headline, why do we remember random instances in the past very well? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that... It says the brain builds neural pathways. A single neuron may be involved in thousands of neural pathways. It is possible then for one memory to trigger another seemingly unrelated one. And these memories can reinforce another in ways we do not understand yet. 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 That will be the key. Yes. Yes. So that was memory. Anyway, mine sometimes fails me. And I... I often find myself retracing my steps to where I was when I had that memory. Even Sometimes it's, you know, you can even be on your phone. It's not a physical get to the top of the stairs and yeah. go, what did I come here for? It could be that I was on one particular platform on social media, made a note to go and check my emails, get to my emails and go, I can't remember what it was I was looking for. Yeah. So I have to go back to that platform on social yeah. media looking for whatever trigger it was that made me go and look. Well, that happens in conversation sometimes, doesn't it? Somebody will start saying, oh, yeah, and they start telling you this thing, and then they go, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. What were we talking about? 
And then the other person will go, we were talking about the traffic. And no, no, still not got... Oh, I know what it is now. <laughs> that must be what's going on, that something is playing out and hopefully you get to... You know, get back to it. Blank. Yeah, you just go, no, absolutely no idea what I was going to talk about. But do you remember a few weeks ago I was talking about camera fright? Mm-hmm. That is what happened to me. So when I was talking to camera and I'd done all the prep and all the rehearsal... I was going great guns and then all of a sudden it was as if somebody had just switched me off. And you couldn't. And there was nothing there to grab hold of. No no, no connections at all for me to do. I just sort of smile and go. Mm. No, no I got nothing. I got nothing. Nothing between me. Nothing years. between <laughs> Do you have the thing also where a song will come on the radio and you literally haven't heard it for years and years yeah. and years and you know all the lyrics? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And every beat and every harmony and everything. Yeah. And you're singing it at the top of your voice. Well, where's that been? <laughs> where's that skill for remembering that level yeah. of detail yeah. gone? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you remembered. I remembered it this time. In a couple of weeks' time, I might say, now here's the thing. We're going to talk about memory. <laughs> Here's the Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week, Heather. <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air. Hot air.